Hi everyone, and welcome to the I Don't Know Show with Joe. I'm Joe, and I don't know much about travel, but my guest, the Traveling Hooligan, does. Traveling Hooligan, thank you for joining the show. Well, thank you so much for having me, Joe. So, Traveling Hooligan, can I call you Travel for short? <laughs> or Hooligan for short? What was the best place that you've ever traveled, and what was the worst? So, I appreciate Hooligan to, uh, to start off the conversation. Okay. Uh, I, I would say it's it's very tough to say what's the best, what's the worst. I would say it's really what's in your wheelhouse of where you'd like to go and what you'd like to experience. But for me personally, I would like to say the best place I travel to has been Vietnam. Okay. Uh, in the south, you have cities. In the north, you have the rice fields. In the middle, you have custom clothing. It's fantastic, and I had a great time, and I can expound upon that more yeah. later if you'd like. For sure. Uh, but probably the worst time or let's call it the the ae pi mentality um <laughs> sorry ae pi is a fraternity so uh, uh the fraternity mentality is is the best time you never want to have again uh-huh. and for me that was india okay like, like in a four-day period i've experienced more shame regret accosting <laughs> Uh, insanity that I ever thought I ever would in my lifetime. Uh, so it's a place that I would love to return, but it's a place that I also am hesitant to return to. Wow. Okay. I definitely want the details on both of those. Um, which way would you like to go through first? The best? Vietnam? Or the yeah, worst? I, th- I, India? Think, I think Vietnam. Okay. Yeah, so the, the the two major cities that most people travel to in Vietnam is Ho Chi Minh and Hanoi. Hanoi is in the north, and Ho Chi Minh is in the south, which used to be called Saigon. And uh, both of which are major metropolitan cities, and Vietnam has more motorcycles than they do people, mm-hmm. which is like a fascinating thing, because when you go to an intersection, you don't see cars, you see motorcycles upon motorcycles upon motorcycles and one of the most common things that people do within vietnam and southeast asia overall is that they buy a motorcycle Mm -hmm. in city a they travel to city b and they sell it in Mm. that city so that that's a regret of mine that i didn't actually have enough time to buy and sell Mm. and travel throughout but i would say that vietnam has the most cultural specific experiences uh that i truly enjoy throughout okay like what what kind of stuff so uh from hanoi you have sapa which is which are the rice fields Mm -hmm. so you can experience an overnight so you spend 25 to 50 dollars a night i recommend spending 50 just to support the locals Mm -hmm. but the idea is you spend an overnight with the local family in their home and experience what they experience on a daily basis. Interesting. On a rice field. What does a rice field look like? Does it look like a farm? It's a great question. It's it, it's like a it looks like a step It, it looks like a forest step field. Uh-huh. I I feel like that's a a bad interpretation, but it looks as though uh Hmm. think about it as steps you have a hundred steps mm-hmm. and each step between each one is five feet of distance mm-hmm. 
And on each of those platforms or those steps, you have rice mm-hmm. just growing. So it's really a majestic experience of just green throughout the entire countryside. And you realize that what is on the green is produce and, you know, uh, sustenance for the people. Very cool. How long were you in Vietnam for? I was there for a total of three weeks. Wow. That's a significant amount of time. And how long did you stay with the locals in Hanoi? So I only uh, opted for an overnight experience. Mm -hmm. I think the most wild thing is that uh, in Asia overall, if you want to get from city to city, you can take flights. But uh, a very common form of travel in between each city is an overnight bus. Mm -hmm. So you could spend 10 hours on a bus sleeping to get to the next town, which would cost you 10 bucks versus a flight, which would be 100 bucks. So Mm -hmm. it's it's convenience over cost. So it really depends what you're looking for. But as soon as you uh, you arrive upon Sapa Valley, people are attacking you, hoping that you'll go with them to their home. Mm -hmm. So I actually got recommended to a woman I still remember the name to this day. Her name is Zuzu Mang. Mm-hmm. I think I still have her business card. Uh, she was great. And uh, she told me via social media, I think I had connected with her via Facebook, mm-hmm. and she had said, you're going to arrive there. It's going to be bananas. You're looking for Zuzu Mang. And I showed up, and I was very much a taken man. I said, I am waiting for Zuzu Mong. <laughs> They're like, all right, Zuzu's here. And she showed up and we we went along on our travels and it, it, it was great. Was this a solo trip? Were you with people? After college, I elected to do a four and a half, four and a half month trip uh, worldwide international because uh, I did a month-long Euro trip in college. I loved it. I worked all throughout college, and I just elected to go on an extended trip, and whomever could join me, fantastic. And if you couldn't, I'm going to go regardless. Mm-hmm. So, f- like, for the Vietnam part, what, were you with people? Were you? Was it? A- I was actually solo for the entirety mm-hmm. of Vietnam, so that was just on my own. So uh, people are very hesitant to go on solo trips, but I think with a solo trip, you actually learn a significant amount mm-hmm. about yourself. You know, what you like, what you don't like, what you're, what you're inclined to do, what you're, you're not inclined to do. And I, th- I, and I feel like I'm commenting on the opposites, but it, it really is an awakening moment in yeah. terms of what you as an individual appreciate because uh, I'm going to go on a tangent yeah. but in in today's society you're so you're so very often and frequently inclined to go with the masses and what people think that you should be doing uh but when you're solo traveling the only person you have to check with is mm-hmm. yourself yeah very cool and we'll get more into that for sure and so in vietnam how are, how are you communicating? Do people there speak English? Is this pre-Google Translate? Uh, like, What's the time period? How are you communicating? So uh, my accommodations for most of the cities that I had stayed in were hostels. So the hostels were kind of uh, multilingual. Mm-hmm. Uh, people traveling uh, very infrequently from the U.S., I would say mostly from the U.K. and Germany, uh, Australia, New Zealand, other places that are more... Uh, prominent in terms of their 
youth travelers. And English was the predominant language that pervaded every country that I've traveled to, which is tremendously convenient for me, who speaks maybe one and three quarters languages across three <laughs> languages. Uh, so I would say English was the predominant language, and if I ever ran into trouble, I would use Google Translate to communicate to others, or even using Google to read a language and then translate it to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Google Translate was available at the time, but most of the people you were interacting with spoke English. Yeah, I would say most people I interacted with spoke English. 50% of the times they didn't speak English, I used Google Translate to convey to them what I wanted to say. And at the time that I was traveling, Google had become aware enough to, if you scanned a language, it would translate it for you and you can point and select accordingly. Yeah, so cool. And so was this the first big solo trip that you had done? Yes, it, it, it was the first very large solo trip I had done. And what were some of those things that that you learned about yourself in terms of um, what you liked or just like what you like to experience? I'm just down for a good time. (laughs) I I know that sounds like a very generic statement, but uh, I'm very go with the flow. Uh, Me, myself, I'm I'm one of six kids growing up, and I think you kind of follow the masses as a result of being part of a large family. And when you're traveling... I think you kind of just go with the flow. Like you're either going to lead or you're going to follow in terms of a traveling dimension. Mm-hmm. And for me, I lead. I led where I wanted to lead, but I would say that for the most part, I wanted other people to lead me because, listen, you show up to a new city, you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You don't know where the place is to go. Chances are if someone's leading, there's a reason they're leading. Right. That makes sense. Um, cool. And then what happened in India? Great follow-up question. Um, <laughs> one last point on Vietnam yeah. is there's a great city that I recommend highly mm-hmm. called Hoi An, Vietnam. Okay. So it's nicknamed the Land of a Thousand Tailors, mm-hmm. meaning they have custom clothing shops for days. You can literally bring them a, a picture of a suit, a shirt, a pair of boots, and they will manufacture it for you in that time. Uh, It's also a beach town, Mm -hmm. so you can really enjoy uh, just the beaches around you. They have scuba diving in other cities. Uh, They have the, uh, what's the hike called? Sorry, Top Gear had an experience where they went from Hoi An to Hawaii, the imperial city. Uh, so you can rent a motorcycle, go throughout, and they can ship your luggage from one hostel to the next. So it's not just major cities, motorcycles, mm-hmm. not just custom clothing. There is a lot of culture in terms of the rice fields, in terms of the imperial city, which is their you know, crown jewels of castles. So I think there is like a myriad of experiences you can have in Vietnam. But going That's back... That's awesome. Yeah. And, and I can definitely vouch for Mr. Hooligan's custom suits. They're quite nice. So <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Sometimes I dress and I'm like, am I going to be fun or comical? <laughs> uh, it, it, 
in terms of India, uh, I spent a total of 12 days there. It feels like a lifetime. But it, it's such a unique culture. Uh, you, I know we both, uh, me and Joe, live in New York. And there is clearly a disparity between the wealthy and uh, those that are impoverished, unfortunately. But I think in India, it is that much more pronounced. Mm-hmm. In terms of the the, like the slums and, and all that? Yeah. I, I, in New York, you walk around, you know those people who are wealthy. They dress to a, a certain accord. And those that are impoverished will be on the sidelines, begging on the subways, being on the corners. But in India, it's it, it pervades every facet of your life, mm-hmm. right? You could be walking out of a multi-million dollar establishment and then immediately upon your exit seeing not just an individual who's homeless but a commune of mm-hmm. people who are homeless. And, and, and that's fascinating to me that literally next to the, the wealthiest of wealthy, you have the poorest of the poor. Wow. And what was your experience there? Like, what was, uh, um, I mean, was it all bad? Was there any part of it that wasn't interesting? Or Yeah, no, I actually, I, I, I say India is the experience that I, I love that I never want to have again. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. In the sense that, like, I really did appreciate the experience that I did have there. Mm-hmm. I met, like, everyone in India I would say 95% of the people, those that were not religiously affiliated, Mm -hmm. uh, had only the best of intentions towards me. They Mm -hmm. wanted to be friendly. They wanted to communicate. They wanted to just have conversations. It was only 5% to 10% of the religious fanatics Mm -hmm. who had issues with me as an individual. What kind of religious fanatics were there? These were like Hindus or Muslims? Muslims. Okay. And were you like visibly Jewish and so they were harassing you or just what like what was what brought on the harassment? Uh so uh we'll get to the nuts and bolts and and the meat and potatoes if you will. Uh-huh. Uh the craziest weekend I had was 4 days in Mumbai. Uh within those 4 days in Mumbai uh, we'll get. We're going to the middle versus the front and the end. But in the middle, I went to the Chabad House, which mm-hmm. is a religious organization that believes in having a Jewish presence throughout the entire world. Mm-hmm. Right? The Jews have been displaced throughout the entirety of time, and they believe that they should have a a home for everyone, no matter the locale. And unfortunately, I think it was 2008, maybe 2009. There was a uh, there was a shooting mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. Chabad in Mumbai, India, and uh, they haven't done construction over some of the walls because they want to specifically show the atrocity that had occurred there. Mm-hmm. But at that location, they have four cops who are there regularly throughout every day. There are two in plain clothes and two in uniform. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking outside the Chabad house, walking outside this religious institution with a yarmulke, with a head covering to indicate that I was Jewish and celebrating the Sabbath. And uh, there was an individual who start, who came directly into my face with a finger in hand and accosting me. Wow. And I thought maybe I had offended him, maybe I had stepped on something I shouldn't have. And I was very confused with why he was coming up into my face 
and just yelling at me. And I saw a cop, one of those cop-dressed individuals mm-hmm. who was meant to protect the establishment. And I look at him and I go, "What? what's going on here? And he walks up to the fella, clops him on the head, <laughs> shoves him away. And I'm like, I think this is just India. <laughs> wow. That is quite a story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? I think... Uh, as a Jewish individual, I have been antagonized in the past, but this is the first time that somebody really got in my face and uh, made me feel as though I was different. And uh, I don't know if it was a wealth disparity. I don't know if it was a religious disparity. I will never know. But I definitely felt as though I was different in this country, and that may have been a problem. And was he saying anything in English, or you didn't even know what he was saying? It was totally in Hindi. Uh, I have no idea what he said to this day. I never will, and I'll live wow. beyond. <laughs> All right, so it sounds like you had an interesting experience in, in India. Some parts were good, but overall kind of depressing, so not something that you're looking to repeat. Yeah, um, I would say on the front end of my arrival on to Mumbai, I showed up, and TripAdvisor is not as uh, prevalent as it is mm-hmm. in other cities. So when you show up to a city in India, uh, there's usually an individual who speaks English that has a notebook with handwritten messages mm-hmm. or reviews on their abilities to provide travel services. Uh, so when I first arrived in Mumbai, it was probably 5.30 in the morning. I had taken an overnight bus for 12 hours. And he showed up and a guy had said, let me take you around the city. Here are my reviews. Here is what I can provide. I said, okay, give me a few hours to sleep, schliff it off, fine. And at 10 a.m. he had picked me up and he had told me on the course of our journey that he was a recovering alcoholic. And I was very proud of him that he was actively recovering. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I found out about three hours later Uh, is that he was actively recovering. Uh, He was currently and still an alcoholic um, because he had to stop drinking his thermos every 20 minutes, and I didn't realize that he was just boozing up. What kind of vehicle was he driving you in? He wasn't driving me anywhere. We were actually taking public transportation. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, but it it was just the fact that I didn't realize because he wasn't driving crazily. Uh, He just happened to be absurd in terms of his actions. Uh, and I remember showing up to the slums of Mumbai with him. He goes, let's go to a bar. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, let's, I guess this is where we're going. And uh, I forget which Star Wars it is, but it's like Obi-Wan Kenobi walks into a bar and he's clearly the most hated individual in the bar. That was this fella. Wow. And I looked among the masses and I thought to myself, this guy owes other people money (laughs) and I'm with him (laughs) and I and I really hope I'm not the person that they collect through eventually we got out of that bar and we, we we slugged along but it got to the point where he got so inebriated that I ended up having to take him to his home oh my god that uh we were on the subway 
the Indian subway, and it gets so hot in India that they don't have doors on their subways. So they just have like open doors throughout. And on these open doors, he was just so messed up that he was throw he was just throwing his head out of the car. Oh my god. To get some fresh air. And people I remember one instance where someone had to physically pull him in so his head wasn't just chopped off by a blockade. Oh my god. And did you write this guy a handwritten review? <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> and I, I just remember recognizing how screwed up the situation was where people in india who had nothing didn't have a pot to piss in turned to me and asked me are you okay <laughs> like dude are you okay like you you, you have nothing it, that that was like really the recognition and later he tried to squeeze more cash out of me saying uh, you know, I, I, I undercharge you for the tour. I really deserve more money. And I said, I'd give you more money. I just think you're going to spend it on booze. <laughs> and he goes, no, I'm not. I'm like, dude, you're, you're fucked up right now. Like, <laughs> you're, you're off your face. Like, I literally have to put you in a cab right now to make sure you get home. And uh, so, so that was bananas. Wow. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll end on the tail end of India and the most... Fun, fun story that I have, which is that it was post a 25-hour-long fast that the Jewish people have, Tisha B'Av, which is the recognition that our holy temple had fallen. Uh, so I was limited on my energy resources, and uh, I was also traveling for four months at this point and on a budget. So I elected. It was part of the same trip as the, the Vietnam trip. It was like a long... It was, a, it was a four and a half month trip. Wow. So uh, I had worked for three years throughout college uh, just for pocket money. And because of this one month long Euro trip, uh, I, I had gotten the travel bug to travel elsewhere. And after college, when I graduated, I realized that I wanted to travel, but not everybody w would be aligned with my travel itinerary and objectives. So... I decided, listen, I want to plan the trip that I want to plan, mm -hmm. and any person who can join me, fantastic. If you can't, I'm still going regardless. So this is part of the same journey, but this is four months into that journey. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Uh, parents weren't happy, but, <laughs> but it wasn't their money, so I did what I wanted to. Yeah. It sounds cool to take such a long trip, but uh, it's probably grueling, but it sounds like a good experience. At the end of it, it probably took, took me four months just to recover. Mm -hmm. Like, it was it was extremely exhausting. Uh, drank a lot of beer, a lot of booze, uh, nothing more than that. But ultimately, it's just when you're on the go for such an extended period of time, mm -hmm. you really need a recovery period. Mm -hmm. So what happened Tish above in India? So post Tishabhav in India, post the fast day in India, uh, I didn't have a place to stay. I found the Salvation Army Youth Hostel of Mumbai, India. And yes, it's even worse than you can imagine. <laughs> I showed up, I walked up four flights of stairs to go to my room. It's a 10 bed hostel. I showed up. I went back downstairs to the lobby and I said, there's no sheets on the bed. And they're like, it's bring your own sheets. 
<laughs> That's crazy because I feel like people that go to hostels are usually traveling around with minimal stuff. They're not traveling around with sheets. <laughs> I, I'm with you, which is which is why my confusion was was significant. Uh, and but this was like 11 p.m. at night, maybe midnight, and I said, "Forget it." So I literally took whatever clothing that I had and I laid it down on the mattress like a corpse, like like a cutout for, for, for someone who the cops are trying to find the murderer of. And I remember putting that out and just trying to subconsciously stay in that position so I wouldn't touch the mattress that I was sleeping on. I wake up at 7 a.m. and there are three uh, Asian fellows, I believe Japanese, who were smoking a sheesh in the room. They were kicked out 20 minutes later because you're not allowed <laughs> to smoke a sheesh in any room in India. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay. Uh, and on that tour where the guy was drunk, I also accidentally drank the the water. So I also was sick for a oh, day and a half. Gosh. So this was after I was led around by a drunk tour guide, was sick for a day and a half. I stayed the night in a Salvation Army youth hostel where three guys were smoking a sheesh the next morning. Um, and in that evening, uh, when I first arrived at the, at, the, at the hostel, there were nine beds taken, a tenth available. And next to me, there was a guy who was just meditating. I said, does he always do that? And they said, I don't know, but he's been doing that for the past four hours. <laughs> So this is like a banana's place. This is on the, on the bed in the hostel. He couldn't like go out to a cave or anything. This is on the bed in the hostel. He's meditating for four hours. That's correct. All right. Yeah, he was literally om legs folded on the bed in his own Zen experience. And I remember going down to the lobby, and they offered free breakfast. Salvation Army breakfast anyway it was eggs it was bananas and i remember just having the bananas because in foreign countries overall you got to be careful with the fruit that you consume anything with a hard peel is copacetic it's good to go an orange a banana a watermelon that's fine an apple is less so you don't know what water they've washed it through Mm. you don't know what's covering that fruit and you have to be concerned about what chemicals have come into contact with that interesting interesting i feel like that's the case even domestic because you don't know what kind of pesticides they use and all that but yeah i I guess foreign could be even even worse or dangerous I, i i guess i would translate it to if you're concerned about drinking the water in said country be concerned about what fruit you come mm. into contact with. And that's really because you don't know who touched it, what chemicals were involved, uh, but you, you you just want to be extra careful about washing said fruit or just avoiding said fruit altogether. Uh, pineapple is fine. Uh, cucumbers, I, I wouldn't eat. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't eat. Tom- I love commuter- I love cucumbers. I love tomatoes. I would not eat them abroad because mm-hmm. I thought the the shell was so insignificant in relation to who might be coming across it that it was not worthwhile. Wow, that's a good tip. Yeah, uh, and I remember in checking out of the Salvation Army Youth Hostel, which I only spent the one night because I would have spent 
any amount of money to spend the night anywhere else. Uh, it was 10 a.m. I was eating a banana. I think it was on to my second because that was the only thing I felt comfortable eating at this establishment. And a guy comes up behind me, taps me on the shoulder, and he goes, movie? I was like, what? He goes, movie. And I was like, I heard you the first time. What? And he goes, and, and, and he points me in a direction to come with him. And I'm like, I feel like well, this is not going to a good place. It's not. It's not. And I'm like, I've been shafted every way, every other way in India. I'm like, what's what's one more experience? Fine. And then he brings me outside of the hostel, and outside there is an Escalade. Mm-hmm. And in the front seat, there is an Indian fella who says, would you like to be in a Bollywood film? Oh, I didn't think that was where this was going. Yeah. No, no, no. Neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, can, can, can you explain more? And he goes, yeah, we, we, we hang out outside the Salvation Army Youth Hostel and one cafe. We find Westerners, white people, uh, to fit the bill of extras in our Bollywood films. And he goes, would you like to be in the movie? Pays 500 rupees a day. Okay. For the group, 500 rupees is the equivalent of $8. Okay. It uh, still could be a cool experience. It, it's a cool experience. But <laughs> I, I, had, I had an experience in India throughout. And there were four people in the back seat. And I remember one guy specifically exclaiming, we're going to be in a movie. And I was off my face. I'm like, I've been sick. I've been led by a drunk tour guide. I've been <laughs> accosted by uh, people who potentially were anti-Semitic. I'm done with the city. I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. And he goes, we're going to be in a movie. And I responded to him, and I looked him eye to eye, and I said, I'm going to see you on the news. <laughs> and I said, I'm out. I'm done. Good luck to you. Like, in hindsight, it would have been great to be in the Bollywood movie. Yeah, but you have no idea where they were going to take you. That sounds like the sketchiest shit ever. I, I, I'm with you. Have you seen that mo- that that uh, TV series, The Serpent? I have not. It was Nepal. I don't know how far Nepal is from India. But this guy who was known as The Serpent would... Uh, he basically would kidnap Westerners and steal their identities. It was a whole thing. I think he just got let out of jail um, within the last couple of years because, you know, whatever crime they were able, able to pin him on wasn't enough to keep him in jail for life but it was actually a very interesting series on netflix it's called the serpent um this was back in i guess the 60s or 70s and all these hippies were coming to nepal to go on like meditation retreats and all this stuff and this guy who was like very wealthy would come with his wife who seemed like a normal person and they would just like pick up people and bring them to their house and he would drug the shit out of them and take all their shit and he would take their passports and basically like remove the the pictures and like put his and his wife's picture on it and they would travel internationally using other people's identities meanwhile these people are basically like chained to the bed like can't stop throwing up because this guy is like drugging them and like murdering them crazy stuff um so yeah it's a good thing you didn't get into that car <laughs> you know what it was it it, it it was a rough enough experience in india overall that i just felt as though you know what this could be fun 
but it also could be catastrophic. Yeah. So I bowed out. I have like it, it would have been fun to be in a Bollywood movie, but I realistically have no idea if they were going to be in a Bollywood movie. So I I, I walked out because could have uh, been a Bollywood snuff movie. Honestly, in India, you really never know. There's there's over a billion people. Shit goes down. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and and here I thought he just wanted to sell you some porn. <laughs> that's that's where I thought the story was going. No, no, he he wanted me to be an extra in a Bollywood movie, uh, and I just I, I, I at at the end of my weekend in Mumbai, I didn't trust anyone. <laughs> wow. So. Definitely came home with a lot of stories to tell. <laughs> that's that's for sure. Um, let's talk about trip planning. Um, what percentage of a trip do you plan ahead? How much of it is uh, figured out when you get there? Um, what's your balance? First of all, I love that question. Uh, I think that really is the crux of it all. You want to go on a vacation. You want to go traveling. It really depends on what you, the individual who is traveling, would like to do. Uh, so I would say uh, before trip planning, I would recommend finding a free walking tour to go on. And that is prevalent in most major metropolitan cities. Mm-hmm. You go on a tour, you sign up three hours, morning or afternoon, and it gives you the lay of the land sorry, the lay of the land Mm -hmm. in any city that you go to. Uh, I've gone to it internationally, uh, domestically, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Look up the city you're going to, free walking tour, and I'm sure you'll find something. And usually it's tip at the end what you feel is appropriate. Mm -hmm. There's nothing up front. So I think that's a great way of learning where you are, what the locals recommend Mm -hmm. uh, and some tips about how you should handle yourself and in terms of how you should plan i think that really comes to what you enjoy in a vacation what you enjoy in a trip some people love museums some people love restaurants some people love coffee shops some people love shenanigans Mm mm-hmm everyone's different in terms of what, what do you the- like what's what's your what's on your list like what are you looking to uh to learn things you're looking to experience things are you looking for adventure are you looking for culture are you looking for restaurants what's what's on your list or, or what are your priorities when you're looking at a vacation for me it's all about culture i think food is the predominant uh desire of most people uh, I, I keep kosher personally, so I will exclusively eat vegan while abroad, uh, and I'll, I'll talk about it in a second. But I will say that culturally, I think that's the most significant element of any place you visit, right? You want to know the lay of the land. You know, you want to know what the people are up to, what they're all about, and I think the free walking tour gives you mm-hmm. a, a macro level understanding of where you are uh, and where after that macro understanding you can focus in on. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, I think the best app I can recommend a thousand percent is Happy Cow. Why is it called Happy Cow? Well, the cows are happy that they're not becoming steaks. Uh, (laughs) But it's the best $3 I ever spent. I have eaten vegan food in Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, 
I, I can go on, but uh, great recommendations, great restaurants. Mm-hmm. They really cater to an audience that is committed to their dietary restrictions. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's culture. Food is ancillary. And for me, it's shenanigans, right? What, <laughs> what, what, what is a country all about? Do they like to party? Do they like adrenaline sports? Uh, do, do they like to have a smorgasbord? Do they like to have a, a medley of foods that's provided to a, a mass of people? Uh, I, I think that for me, adrenaline is what I go for. But for most others, I think it's just experience in general. Mm-hmm. So to recap, I think it's culture experience and food but there are plenty of platforms and avenues to cater to your dietary restrictions in said country you'd like to visit that sounds awesome and i think i i share a lot of those interests when i'm traveling and uh a lot of times uh people object and they say well what about relaxation do you uh include relaxation in your trip planning in my early days, I would not, but that's because more was more mm-hmm. and less was less. Uh, a colleague of mine recently requested to go, and by recently, I mean today, <laughs> uh, to go to Korea for two and a half weeks. And their question was, well, you've, you're, you're a well-seasoned individual in terms of traveling, where would you recommend? Should we go to Japan? Should we go? To, should we stay in Korea? Should we go to Singapore? And I said, listen, my biggest regret of any country I visited is that I did not spend more time there. Mm-hmm. The more time you spend in any given location, the more you find that there is to do. Mm-hmm. So I would say that for most people who are traveling, you may want to tack on as many places as possible. Forget Instagram, forget all of the places you can brag about where you've gone right. and where you can go. Think about what you want to do. Right. Because as soon as you post about it, people forget. People move on to the next vacation, to the next story on Instagram that's being posted, to the next TikTok. No one gives a shit about where you traveled. It's about really what you want to do, where you want to go, and what you want to experience. Mm-hmm. So I leave that to you to figure out where the, where and what that might be. But please don't leave it to the masses to dictate what that is. You might, ex- you might love learning about learning about historical and cultural nuances that nobody cares about. You might love food to the extent that nobody understands what what's your palate. Every vacation should be based upon the individual yeah. desires, not upon the individual masses or trip advisor. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last thing I'll say to that is TripAdvisor is still a great tool, mm-hmm. right? Use that as a resource to figure out what, jives with your interests Mm -hmm. but i I do love another website uh called atlas obscura Mm -hmm. Uh, i have two books by them one on foods from various countries but also locations in various states cities states uh countries and the idea being is that it's the road less traveled in terms of locales to be visited, mm-hmm. right? Um, in Florida, you can check out Leslie Nielsen's gravestone. Uh, you can, who's from, popular from Naked Gun. Uh, you could check out just 
I'll, I'll, I'll spare you the details. Check out Atlas Obscura. I think it's a great platform to find uh, miscellaneous activities that mm-hmm. you normally would not have experienced otherwise. And the one place that I'm so grateful to Atlas Obscura for is when I was in Idaho last <laughs> summer on a road trip was the Idaho Potato Museum, a place I never would have thought to go to. But it was a place that still holds a heart. I have a coffee mug. I have a potato <laughs> peeler. Uh, I still remember the potato bar that they had available where you could stuff your potato with whatever. But it, 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 it was a place I would not have experienced otherwise. So if you like mainstream, go mainstream. If you like low-key, go Atlas Obscura. But the point I'm ultimately trying to make is it's your vacation, take advantage of it and do what makes you happy Mm -hmm. not what the masses think you should be doing for sure it makes a lot of sense and so in your um trip planning process if you had to put a percentage on how much you do ahead of time uh, versus figure out when you get there to me it it sounds like you're in at at least at least 75 percent is already planned out does that sound accurate I would say yes. 75-25 is the split. I think it's very important that before you show up to any foreign land, you have a a plan. You don't have to follow said plan. Mm -hmm. But have a plan. Make an itinerary from 9 to 7 p.m. Do you have to do everything? No. Do you have to go everywhere? No. But make an agenda because if you're in a foreign place and you you don't know what's going on, chances are you're going to stay in your hotel and you're going to be isolated. Mm-hmm. You want to immerse yourself in the culture. So plan the plan. You don't have to follow the plan, but try to do your best if it's aligned with your interests. Yeah, I like that. And it also sounds like you uh, mostly travel solo. I mean, probably do a mixture. Like, do you have preferences, or can you speak to the pros and cons of traveling solo or traveling with one or a group of people? Uh, I like solo travel because it allows you freedom. But the reality is that you'll be traveling with maybe a plus one, maybe a plus two, maybe a bachelor party. You'll be traveling throughout the world. And I would say it really is dependent upon the leader, right? Mm -hmm. It's what is the group's objective in terms of travel and is there going to be someone leading that travel experience? So, uh, unfortunately, with a, a, a group of three plus, it becomes a dictatorship, mm-hmm. not a democracy. And you have to dictate, this is the plan. You do not have to abide by said plan, but this is what the group is deciding to do. And I remember, and you were on this trip mm-hmm. in New Orleans. Yep, uh, It was a group of us eight people in total and i had been messaging one of the women from the group it was four and four men versus women (laughs) and i said listen we signed up for these free walking tours let me know i'll sign you up i will do all the legwork but let me know if you're interested and i'll 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 do the legwork for you and her response was this is my vacation i'll do what i want i'll plan as i want (laughs) <laughs> and I said, all right, well, forget you. 
And then <laughs> turns out she joined every single thing that we did. So I think that for the most part, people have an idea of what they'd like to do, but they don't have a plan on how to execute upon it. So if you're going to a new place, a single, a, a, a mass group, dictate what you'd like to do and chances are if you're the leader or you're the one who's electing to lead people will follow as a result yeah i'm very happy to follow a well put together plan (laughs) and and you know what in 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 most of the trips i've gone on yes there are plenty of places i would have liked to have gone plenty of places that i could have traveled to but ultimately you remember the experiences you had, not the ones you missed out on. Mm-hmm. So to your point, if it's a, it's a well-seasoned and planned trip, you're going to enjoy it regardless. You just got to make sure that the leader is, is one you want to follow. Yeah. Yeah. I've found that um, solo travel can be a little lonely or boring. I find like uh, travel with like one other person is pretty ideal if you're both on the same page about what you want to do. Um, and then traveling in large groups just gets very difficult and, and they can be good, but I never like leading those types of trips because then it's just a lot of arguing. (laughs) Finding a good travel buddy is significant. I think it's a matter of finding out what you're both interested in, what financially you're willing to spend on said travel um and for those that are religious you know what religious concessions or affirmations Mm -hmm. you you need to stick by so it's really aligning with the fellow traveler i've seen friendships enhance but also dissolve Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. a result of traveling and i think it's a matter of again what do you want in a vacation what do you as an individual want yeah and if you're going to go traveling with another individual are they aware of your needs, wants, and interests? Mm-hmm. And are they going to be aligned? Because otherwise, it's a temporary relationship. It's a temporary yeah. marriage, so to right. speak, where it's either going to work or it ain't. <laughs> yep. Very, very true. Uh, how do you memorialize or capture memories of your travels? Do you take pictures? Do you buy souvenirs? Do you journal? What is, or do you just have like a really good memory? What's your uh, post-trip, like how do you recollect on the trips that you've taken? Uh, it's a great question. For me personally, uh, yeah, shameless plug, even though I have like sub 600 followers, I don't care. I use Instagram as a means of uh showcasing my best trips we'll drop your handle in the in the show notes and give you a nice nice really tiny bump (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I expect three percent plus uh honestly uh, i don't use instagram as a showcase i use it as a memory bank to uh to try to show other people what's out there in the world Mm. not to to not to show people what they haven't achieved it's what they could achieve Mm. or what they could experience and for me it's my memory i I, maybe i'm a a realist but i'm i'm 33 
I'm going to be dead in 60 years, probably 50 years, because it's a little hard and fast life. And that's okay. That's fine. And if you think about your ancestors from 150 years ago, 100 years, 200 years ago, no one gives a shit, right? No one cares about what you post, what you've experienced, <laughs> what you've gone through. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe that's because I just saw the movie on Netflix, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic movie mm-hmm. about the military and uh, warfare, the glorification or the lack thereof, and the realization that you're just a human being on this planet, which is akin to to, to nothing, right? You, uh, so I would say to document, don't take too many pictures, experience, look, feel, remember, uh, because ultimately no one cares about what you have done Mm -hmm. the question is is it going to add value to you and what of that memory is going to add value to you is it the is it those pictures is it those videos but personally i remember look like taking a video and looking at it like an hour later going why the fuck did I take this video? <laughs> like, wh- like, what's the... And, and, and I've made, and it's, it was a very conscious effort in the past two months to not post anything on social media. Not Facebook, not Instagram. I'm on TikTok because China can go fuck themselves. But <laughs> I, I, I just don't feel as though it's, it's warranted. Like, what's the point? People are so forgetful of what happened on a mass scale within a week, let alone my individual experience within a month. Nobody cares. So <laughs> get out of, get your head out of your ass. Nobody cares. What you want is what you want. Experience it as you will. As you'd like to document it, document it. But just recognize it's not for other people. It's for you as an individual. Get your head out of your ass. Live in the moment. Experience the experiences for yourself. And don't worry about it other people i like it um how do you balance work and travel uh personally i'm an accountant and i work remotely uh i have not met any single person that i work with in the past two years and (laughs) that's been a struggle in its own right but i would say Listen, at the end of the day, nobody expects you to just really stay at your job or your desk or your inbox 24-7. Establish with your manager what's expected of you and deliver upon it. And then figure out how you can travel through that. Uh, f- for me, thankfully, I did a lot of my travel post-college right like when i had more free time which is a recommendation that i have for most others either before college or post college because once you work you lose that opportunity like i have a colleague who just said i want to take two and a half weeks to go to south korea and i'm like all right i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna clarify something this is a luxury not a right this is not a privilege like this is something you desire and i'm happy to help you get there but please recognize that this is not the norm so it's really if you want to travel you got to earmark the time Mm -hmm. and you got to earmark the funds accordingly Mm -hmm. because i'm going to assume 
my parents did not shell out a penny for my travels. Mm-hmm. They were not happy that I was traveling for four and a half months. I had to dish out everything I wanted to travel towards, and I I worked for it for three years. So I, I, I think it's, if you want to work, I highly recommend it. Money is good. <laughs> but I also recommend... It, it, it's figuring your shit out. It's figuring out what do you want, how do you get there, how do you manage all of it, and f- and removing the distractions. Right? Everyone's going to tell you about what you should experience, and I'm I'm going to say it's based upon the individual. What do you want to experience? What right. do you want to experience? Yeah. And speaking of, uh, and, and sorry, one yeah. last thing. I, I listen. I, I found accounting and it happened to work in relation to traveling if you're a nurse okay you're gonna you're gonna work crazy hours Mm -hmm. for three days and then usually you know you're off for four days so some people who really emphasize or desire to travel finding a profession that works for them that's aligned Mm -hmm. with their intellectual pursuits and their desires to to better society or or just to make money fine Mm -hmm. but uh, if you want to travel and you want to balance travel and work, then find that job that helps balance travel and work. And I think if that's the the desire, it's accounting, it's finance, it's tech, and it's any job that might be remote. If you're in person, it's going to be difficult to travel across the world if you're tied down to a physical locale. Yep, that's for sure. <laughs> uh yeah, I was going to say, uh, uh, speaking of um, uh, budgeting and funding, do you have any tips for finding uh, cheap flights, cheap accommodations, just deals on travel, any types of uh, tips on that kind of thing? There's a great website I'd recommend called 10X Travel. Um, essentially, it demonstrates to the individual how to best utilize credit cards and credit card miles right people get very deterred by saying well it's low-hanging fruit well low-hanging fruit is meant to be picked for a reason so i would say and most people say i want cash back i I don't need travel that's fine if you want to travel find the credit card that's going to work for you Find out where you want to go because that will dictate which credit card you get um, and try to figure out how to be clever in terms of your traveling. Uh, One regret that I had while in Thailand was I showed up to an elephant sanctuary and I loved it. I had so much fun and I turned to the individual who was giving us the tour and I said, I love it here. And he asked me, do you want to work here? (laughs) <laughs> I was like, what? Because you want to work here. And I said, the only thing I know about elephants are what I have learned on this tour. And he goes, you speak English. We don't care. <laughs> so so I, I, I think the idea is if you want it, you can make it happen. You just got to be clever about how you come across it. And then one other anecdote is that before I went on this four and a half month voyage, I had met a friend of a friend 
And they said, oh, I went to New Zealand. I went to Australia, which is a place I was going to go to. And I said, how'd you, how'd you do it? How'd you afford it? And he goes, well, I was a photographer. I reached out to venues ahead of time. I told them I'd take real good photos of their enterprise and give it to them for free as payment for the experience. So is everyone a photographer? No. Is everyone a blogger? No. But the point is you can get clever about it. And uh, the one last anecdote I'll say on that is think about any concert you've ever wanted to go to. Mm -hmm. Well, there are people who are operating security Mm -hmm. at said venue. There are plenty of people who are working at Madison Square Garden Mm -hmm. who have seen every show they've ever wanted to see for free and they've gotten paid for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Should I do I recommend security? No. <laughs> That's not my point. The point is think about what you want to do and how you can be clever about how you can achieve it. Very interesting. Well, Mr. Hooligan, we are getting to the end of our time. I want to thank you again for joining me. Before you leave, what is one thing, if you have to choose one thing that you want me and all of our listeners to know about traveling? Uh Well, first off, Joe, thank you very much for hosting me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know it was really tough getting me from being (laughs) next door within a three-foot radius. Uh, But I would say that uh, I I think I've said it before, and I'll I'll say it again. It's we live in a very extravagant and – what's the word I want to – help me out here what's the word it's showcasing like what yeah yeah social media just like uh showing off um exhibitionist is that the word yeah no i think that's a great word stop showcasing stop being an exhibitionist it's really a matter of what you the individual do because what you do in relation for seven billion people doesn't matter to the rest of the masses it's finding that happiness and if it's travel it's travel and what does travel mean to you and you asked that question earlier is it culture is it food is it is it something else uh find out where you what you like to do what place offers that experience and then act upon it now i know thanks so much <laughs>